listening to Rock Talk with Mitch LaFon. Rock Talk. Welcome to the special encore presentation of my March 2019 interview with a singer-songwriter, Kenny Loggins. At the time, we discussed his upcoming Win Las Vegas shows. They, of course, have occurred and, from all accounts, were absolutely terrific. I do have another guest, Melissa Etheridge, who has an upcoming show on July 12th, 2019 at the Win Las Vegas. And I'm told if you are in Las Vegas, which... Believe it or not, I have never been. If you are in Las Vegas, though, you should go check out the Win Las Vegas. Also, as far as Kenny Loggins, during the interview, we discussed being considered the king of soundtracks. His original band, Loggins Messina, heavy metal covers by Y&T and Poison. Of course, being a solo artist, Top Gun, the movie, the 35th anniversary of Footloose, making new music, and much more. If you missed the interview the first time around, well, here is your chance to have a nice bedside chat. Well, I, I, well, okay, maybe not a bedside chat, but you have a chance to once again hear the one, the only, the mighty Kenny Loggins. We are speaking with Kenny Loggins. He, of course, returns to the Win Las Vegas at the end of March at the Encore Theater for all the hits. Kenny, an absolute, absolute pleasure to talk to you. Good to talk to you too, Mitch. Yes. Yeah, so, so let's get into this. Let's get into the show, and then maybe we'll look back at some of the career highlights. But you have had an incredible, incredible amount of hits over the years. Does it make it difficult to put a show together like this, you know, where it's just the hits and not sort of dig into the back catalog and get that rare gem? Or how do you sort of come together or, or put together the set list yeah. and the show? Well, I, it's sort of a balancing act of, of the hits. And then maybe if I want to go in a little bit deeper, I can pull some of the songs that resonate for me emotionally. I've decided to try to put together a sort of life and time show and add a lot of uh, photographs from the past and maybe even a, a video or two of, of times gone by and, um, and tell the stories of how those songs came into being. I, I think it's, especially in a retrospective kind of show, it's, it's fun for the audience and then, uh, dig in maybe on a couple of deeper cuts where it seems appropriate. Which makes sense. Now, of course, uh, you have been called the, uh, the king of soundtracks. Talk to me about writing for soundtracks and how it became sort of, a, a, in essence, a marketing tool because it was very easy to get one really good song on a soundtrack and just raise that profile. Talk to me about sort of writing for Caddyshack and, and, and for all these different, and, and of course, yeah. Footloose. Yeah, well, you're, you're talking about it as if it was a master plan. And actually, it all came together one song at a time, one one movie at a time. Um, I was on my way home from a recording session in L.A., and I got a call from a friend of mine at Columbia Records and said, you've got to contact John Peters. He's working on a movie that he wants you to see a rough cut. So uh, I had worked with John because of the Star is Born uh, remake that he and Barbara Streisand did. And, and then we became friends during that time, and then he... Uh, called me in to show me what he was working on Caddyshack. It didn't have an ending. Um, and uh, so he just, they just put Rodney Dangerfield out in a field and said, give us an ending. And he said, Hey, we're all going to get laid. And that was the ending. And, uh, uh, but I saw the whole thing, uh, uh, rough cut without the, without the gopher. And, and John said, we got a gopher puppet. We're going to put in there every now and then. And 
that'll be fun. And I thought, that's a stupid idea. But it turned out to be a pretty good idea and uh, became one of the iconic elements of, of Caddyshack. And, um, and then one thing led to another. The, my friend Dean Pitchford had written a screenplay called uh, Footloose. And he wanted to cement his position as also as a songwriter uh, with Paramount. So he asked if I'd do him a favor and write a couple songs uh, with him for uh, Footloose. And we wrote uh, the song Footloose and the song um, I'm Free based on the screenplay that he'd written. I, there was no, there was nothing to see yet. And, um, and I think one of the reasons why that movie works so well is because when they were dancing, they were dancing to the song Footloose. And, um, and it, it makes a big difference when the, they're actually dancing to the real song and not to some temp thing. But, uh, you know, we didn't see that coming, that it would be the biggest movie of the summer. Then, of course, Top Gun. Top Gun was uh, what they call a cattle call back in uh, Hollywood. Every pop act in the business was invited to come see a rough cut of Top Gun. And that was uh, looked to be a, a potential hit for this young actor named Tom Cruise. I think he'd just done Risky Business before that. And then, uh, uh, so I I signed on to do the volleyball scene. And I wrote a song called Playing With The Boys. While I was in the studio working on Playing With The Boys, I got a call from Giorgio Moroder's office that he had written a song called Danger Zone and the people that were signed on to sing it, which uh, uh, urban legend has that it was Jefferson Starship and Mickey Thomas. And and the lawyers got into a haggle and Starship dropped out. So I got a call that Giorgio had to dub the song in in like three days and was I available. So I jumped in the studio and sang Danger Zone. Yeah, and, and that and one... funny, we didn't talk... Well, only that we didn't talk about money. We didn't talk about even the music, you know. I just said, is this up-tempo? And he said, yeah. And so I knew I needed up-tempo stuff for my show, so I jumped in. My theory was the lawyers will figure it out. And, um, you know, as far as that business part of it goes, and, and you know, if it's a great song, uh, it'll surface. And if it sucks, nobody will ever know. So, you know, you just keep moving forward. You really do. And, and that one-two punch of Danger Zone into Cheap Trick's Mighty Wings, uh, absolute killer the soundtrack combination. Um, if I can, let, let me uh, just – it's a great combination. Uh, it's a one-two punch, as we say. Um, let me, if I can, just dig into a, just a little bit of, of your history. Um, 76, Loggins and Messina puts out Native Sons, and then the band amicably splits, and you move on to do Celebrate Me Home. Um, talk to me about making that first solo album. Was that something that you had had sort of sitting on a back burner and you just wanted to get these songs out and you didn't know when? Or was it, okay, I'm alone now. Okay, now what do I do? Now, uh, just just talk to me about that time of transitioning from a band guy to a solo guy. Mm-hmm. Well, I had initially auditioned for Jimmy Messina um, thinking I was going to be a solo guy. Um but the only songs that I really had in my back pocket were House of Pooh Corner and Danny's song and uh, Vahivala and a couple others from that era. Um, but um, we were intending on doing one album together. That's why it was called With Jimmy Messina Sitting In. And then I would go solo after that. But Clive Davis had other ideas. And, uh, and so 
we continued on on a six-year contract. We got along great, and the and the music that we made uh, was, you know, uh, fun and and easy to do. He had a lot of stuff that he hadn't finished that he'd started with Poco, so he had a bank of of song ideas too. But when it came to celebrate me home, I didn't have those I those songs in my back pocket. I I had been writing in the last year of Loggins and Messina, I found that my writing had changed dramatically and I was using chords I'd never used before. And it was taking me into some interesting directions. And um, so when I left Jimmy, I was really ready. It was like a, a bow pulled back or an arrow pulled back in the bow. I was really ready to, to move forward and, and go into some new territory musically. And so it was all very exciting for me. I was writing with David Foster, hadn't yet started writing with Mike McDonald. Yeah, great times. Um, just real quick, uh, in 1988, the band Poison releases a version of Your Mama Don't Dance and, and sort of 16 years after you had put it out as a single, reintroduces a whole new you know, set of kids to this song. What did that, because Y&T had tried it before and they had a modicum of success, but what did it mean for you and the band when, or, and the song, when Poison got it and got it up to this, you know, billboard charting success? Did it, did it change things for you? Did it, did it make you aware to a, to a younger audience? Not really, no. No. Um, it, it, I mean, it probably did, but, you know, Loggins and Messina had moved on by that time. And um, I don't even know if I was performing Mama Don't Dance Live. Um, it, uh, uh, it didn't really affect my career as far as I can tell. But, but it must, still must have been exciting to see a new, a new, a new generation uh, get onto it. Now, of course, we, are, we do have these shows in Vegas. I am in Montreal. Do we see Kenny Loggins come north at some point and bring the greatest hit show to Montreal, Toronto, maybe Vancouver? It's entirely possible. We, I don't have any plans to do that at this time, but uh, you never know. Uh, it depends on how things open up. You know, they're remaking or, or not remaking. They're making a sequel to Top Gun. And um, there's rumors that uh, there'll be uh, Danger Zone included in some fashion. I hope so. I don't know for sure, but, uh, you know, if something like that happens, there may be a resurgence of uh, interest in, Kenny Loggins, and God knows where that'll take me. Well, I think the interest has has, has maintained over the years. Just uh, just real quick, uh, you know, because you, you did all these soundtrack songs, looking at the business these days, is that sort of the new approach to go back to sort of writing singles? Have we lost the ability to, to appreciate albums? Are, are albums sort of a thing of the past? Um I think they are for younger acts. Uh, they still happen in hip hop. They still happen in, uh, you know, uh, different forms of pop music. I know Ed Sheeran. Every time he comes out with a record, it's it's uh, an album is huge. Um, I, my daughter's 21 and she's signed with a, a company that only wants one song at a time. Uh, distribution companies that specialize in streaming, no physical product. So yeah, the, the the business has changed dramatically. I think that as time goes by, there's more and more um, interest in making albums and and backstory to albums. Like we used to hold an album cover and memorize it, you know, top to bottom. So 
there there is always interest in the bigger acts, but younger acts have a tougher time coming with albums now. They really do, and I, and I see we're, de- we're we're running short here. We got fifteen minutes. We've got three left. Um, where where does that leave you in terms of making new music? Do do you have a need to to still be artistic and 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 create new stuff? Or do you like to just sort of look back and say, look at this body of work I had, and I'm just going to celebrate this. Is there a new sort of Kenny Loggins album coming down the road? Um, I, I just finished a children's record, you know, like Return to Pooh Corner. Um, this is sort of parents and children. It's higher production value than the normal ch- children's record. Um, I still think there's a, a strong market there. and um, I haven't been doing a lot of writing lately. Um, I had a band out of Nashville that I started about 10 years ago called Blue Sky Riders. And um, and we made two albums. Um, but I haven't done anything really uh, in the studio since then. Um, and um, I have no plans to jump in the studio. There's really not a lot of market for what I'm doing now. And um, mostly I want to stay creative. I'm really putting a lot of my energy into mentoring right now. I love working with teenagers and young artists. And um, uh, that's sort of where my juice is right now, where I feel the most um, excitement creatively. So that's sort of where I'm focusing. That's great. Now, is that done through a charity or is that done through, uh, you know, a local organization? If somebody wanted to be mentored by you, uh, and shown, I guess, how to write and how to play and how to perform. Where where do they sort of sign up for that, or or, or how does that come about? No, that's an interesting question. I hadn't really thought of it that way. I I just sort of say yes to the things that come along. Um, there's always somebody doing something. I'm I'm working with the Songwriters Festival uh, out of uh, Hawaii in June, and I hope to ha- have a lot of young writers sign up for that. Um, but, um, and then I want to, I do one-on-one mentoring with that, with that group. And they usually have 40 or 50 young people coming to that. It's on the big Island uh, of Hawaii. Um, and then I have a, a, a production I'm working on here in Santa Barbara. I hope to do in about six other cities around the U S a, a production of my own for footloose, the play. And, uh, we'll see where that goes from here. Uh, but that's all teenagers. And um, other than that, I think it's a great idea what you've suggested, and we should probably develop something for the website that would be some sort of organization. Um, if you hear of any teen organizations that are looking for uh, somebody like me to help them out, uh, send them to my website. Oh, I absolutely will. Uh, I, I, I'm trying to think which one it was. I was talking to Liberty DeVito the other day from formerly of Billy Joel's band, and he does something... Right. I think it's called Let's Kids Rock or Let and and he goes in to the uh, socio-economically depressed areas with instruments and they that that would be something that that would be look I, I, boy I don't have it at the fingertips That's but kids, that, that yeah yeah I've done that That's Kids Rock Kids Rock right and yeah, that's and, the, yeah and that's uh you take guitars into those areas and we we've uh unloaded a bunch of good guitars for uh, uh Kids Rock in schools all around uh, California. So, oh yeah, we and we also work with an organization here called Notes for Notes, where we started a recording studio um, for underprivileged 
So um, there's a lot of that sort of thing around, but I haven't really hooked into a young songwriters organization that might want some old timers to come by and mentor. Not old timers. We call them uh, experts. Uh, and and uh, just uh, call them right legacy artists. Legacy artists. And just uh, just to be perfectly correct, it's little kids rock. That's the one. And uh, I, I see we're out of time, oh. so I'll respect that because I could go on forever. But uh, Kenny, absolute pleasure. And just uh, as somebody who was young and 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 affable back in those days uh, thank you for all the music it it really was the soundtrack to my life uh, hearing danger zone and footloose and all those songs and and much music and mtv uh as we say in montreal just merci beaucoup thank you so much for for just being part of of that of the soundtrack thank you you're very welcome cheers have a good day all right bye 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 This is Rock Talk with Mitch LaFawn. Mitch LaFawn.